Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and I just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Hey, it's great to see you guys this morning. I, uh, I realized I was doing discovery class just a few minutes ago and came in for the very end. We got a great group of people going through discovery, and I was getting ready to walk on stage and realized I never got mic'd up today. So I'm going to use the handheld mic, and we're going to go that way, all right? So, hey, it's great to see you. If you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6 today. Let's celebrate God's truth together through the worship and reading of His Word. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're picking up in this series. Uh, today is kind of the last official day in our teaching series, Me and My House, and Next week, you're going to hear a little bit of a, uh, another section of that, but today we're going to wrap up on the idea of our family. We started last Sunday talking about how do we disciple and raise kids towards spiritual maturity in our homes. And again, we said, and I'll, I'll kind of repeat, uh, I know this doesn't hit the demographic of every single person in the room, that some of you aren't married, or you are married and don't have kids yet, or you're grandparents, you don't have kids living in your home or whatever the situation is. So I get and I know that this doesn't apply specifically and directly to every single person. Uh, and yet I think that there are spiritual realities that we can take from, from this and look at every different facet of our life and phase of our life and say, how do I invest in the next generation, regardless of if they're my kids or my nieces and nephews or my grandchildren or whatever. So uh, in Deuteronomy chapter six, we see Moses give the commands to Israel uh, in Deuteronomy chapter five, rather of God's commandments to Israel. And then in six, he starts to talk to them about how they live these things out. So look at Deuteronomy chapter six, verse one. He says, these are the commands, the decrees and the laws. The Lord, your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord, your God, as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And so last week we talked about this idea of what it looks like to be investing spiritually as parents or grandparents or aunts and uncles in the lives of kids. And specifically I want to talk about for families who have kids living in their home or maybe you have teenagers, you have college-age students, whatever it may be, uh, having a strong and growing relationship with your kids is the basis of the influence you're capable and able to have with your kids as they grow and as they mature. And we made the statement last week that your kids, when they're little, will do what you say simply because of who you are. You have an authority presence in their life, and if mom says to do this, then they'll do it. If dad says to do this, then they'll do it. As they get older and able to think more on their own and develop their own personalities and their own ideas, you know as parents, if you've seen this maturity process happen. You don't get to just say to your kid, do this, and they're just going to automatically do it because of who you are. Now they need a reason why. Like, what's the reason behind that? Why should I believe what you're telling me? Why should I do what you're telling me to do? And it starts to become something that if you're going to have continued, sustained influence in the life of your kids, you need to have great relationship with them. 
The relational investment that you make in the life of your kids determines how well or how uh, uh, difficult things will be as you're continuing to, to point your kids toward a faith in Jesus Christ that will be lasting and that will continue on. And so if you want kids dedicated to Jesus, you needed to be dedicated to Jesus yourself personally. Your kids will model what you do as they see you live out your faith. Uh, and so I know a lot of people have this idea that you go tell your kids, hey, do what I say, not what I do, right? Like, I know the right thing to do, so do what I tell you to. Don't watch my life and always mimic me because I may not always do the right things. But I can tell you from experience that your kids are going to do what they see more than they're going to do what they're told and what they hear. And so if you want your children to know how to follow Jesus, if you want your children to know how to read the Bible for themselves, to pray for themselves, to give of their time to serve others, they need to see that modeled in us as parents. That's our role. That's our responsibility. We need to model these things for our kids. And so Moses gave the people of Israel some rhythmic activity within daily life that would just help them determine patterns of life, to say, how do you teach these things to your kids? He told them, impress these things on your kids. Print it into them. Continually teach them. That, that impression word that we talked about last week meant do it over and over and over. It wasn't a tell them one time and then they'll get it and they'll be mature followers of Jesus for the rest of their lives. He's going, if you're going to impress some things on your kids, you've got to continually repeat this stuff to them. And so then he gave them, he gave them rhythms for how to do that. He says, when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. And so the, the blanks on your outline, if you're taking notes with us this morning, you want to write some things down, or if you're on our app using the notes, write this down. Raising spiritually mature kids requires keeping a consistent focus on Jesus. If we're going to raise spiritually mature kids, we have to keep a consistent focus on Jesus. In your home, there needs to be over and over and over again expressions of your faith and encouraging them toward their own personal faith. How do you talk about the Bible? How do you talk about prayer? How do you model serving? How do you do all these different things? And so Moses tells them, you do it when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Unfortunately, what we find in most Christian families is that those are not the normal occurrences that happen in the average Christian home. Based on surveys and readings and books that have been done, there are things that we would just kind of find and discover that most Christian families are not repeating a cycle of discipleship in their homes. And so I want to read you some things that I've, I've been studying for the last few weeks. In a book called Soul Searching, author and sociologist Christian Smith points out that only a third of families with teenagers talk about God, the scriptures, prayer, or other religious or spiritual matters a few times a week or more. Only about a third. Only 10% of Christian families discussed faith with any degree of regularity. Only 10%. Can you imagine? that only 10% of people discuss matters of faith with any regularity. In 43% of homes, in the denominations that were surveyed, faith was never discussed at home. 43% of people who come to church every single Sunday would say, when we go home, there's a bifurcation of our faith. This is what we do at church. This is what we do at home. And our faith in church does not mimic our faith lived out in our home. 43% of Christians said faith is never brought up at home. Here's another one. George Barna in his 2003 research demonstrated that in a typical week, 
Fewer than 10% of parents who regularly attend church with their kids read the Bible, pray, other than at mealtimes, or participate in an act of service as a family unit. Fewer than 10% ever read the Bible or pray other than at meals or do an act of service within their family unit. And so when I say these things this morning, I'm not telling you this stuff. It sounds like I am, but I'm not. I'm not telling you this to discourage you. I'm not telling this to beat you up. If you find yourself in this place where you go, yeah, that, that kind of sounds like our family. I mean, we do the church thing on Sunday, but there's really no Jesus stuff going on at home. We're not talking about the Bible. We're not praying together other than at mealtimes. We're, we're not serving together as a family. I'm not telling you that to discourage you or to beat you up or to get onto you this morning. I'm telling you that in some sense to let you know and understand that if that's the reality in your home, that you're not alone. That that happens across the board more often than we would like to admit. But I am telling you this for a second reason. Not just to go, okay, hey, look, you're not alone. It's okay. Everybody else is doing the same thing. Just stay on the pattern that you're on. I'm telling you these things to help shape an idea and an understanding today in your mind to say, if that's been the pattern of my life, then what needs to change in order to increase that? So that the discipleship that's taking place in my home as a parent with my kids is growing so that we don't get stuck in the same pattern of what happens with multiple churches and multiple Christians all across the United States. How do we take next steps? And so I want to give you this morning some things uh, to hopefully take some of those next steps and be very practical with what Moses talks about here. So let me give you the definition of a spiritual parent first. If you're writing some things down, write this down. A spiritual parent is one who makes the spiritual well-being of their children the top priority. All right, that's a spiritual parent. You make the spiritual foundation and well-being of your children your top priority. Uh, George Barna wrote a really wonderful book. It's called Revolutionary Parenting. I would encourage you, if you have kids in your home, to grab a copy of this book. It's really phenomenal. Um, it's full of insights from parents. And here's the idea of what the book is, is about. Uh, he talks about wanting to raise spiritual champions. And so the entire book is done with research from parents who are now grandparents. And the parents have children who are walking in faith, and their grandchildren are being led to walk in faith. So it's a multi-generational look at saying, how did you do things in your home as a parent that has had a third-generation impact to point people towards spiritual maturity and walking with Jesus? And so one of the things that Barna says plays in 100% into the passage from Deuteronomy that we're looking at this morning. Uh, here's one of the things, huge discovery that they made. Barna wrote, those who seek to make an eternal impact on their children spend 90 to 120 minutes with their children per day. 90 to 120 minutes with your children per day. Now, that's not just in close proximity. They're in the house watching TV. I'm in the yard mowing. You know, like we're close to one another. We're spending time together. This is, I'm going to be on the floor playing with you. We're going to be in the same room doing something. We're in the driveway shooting basketball together. We're sitting at the table talking about scripture. We're doing puzzles together on a cold day, right? Uh, whatever it is, you're going, I spend 90 to 120 minutes with my kids in active engagement per day. He said, across the board. That's what they found for spiritually mature parents who raise spiritually mature kids who are now raising spiritually mature grandchildren. That was one of the common denominators was the time that they spent with one another. So how much time do you spend? 
How much time do you spend investing in your kids in the next generation? Some of you are like, we homeschool. We are all over our kids all the time. Like it is 24-7. We know we're with our kids. Our kids need a break from us, quite frankly. And so we need to ship them off to find somebody else to invest in them. Whatever it is you need to do. And that's great. But when you think about this, so many families, we make the priority chasing stuff. We live in a culture that chases things. We're not in a culture that encourages be at home, be with your families, be with your kids, invest in them. We live in a culture that says go chase sports, go chase balls, go chase trophies, go chase money, go chase activities after school, go chase, go chase, go chase. And then we come home and what happens? We maybe grab a quick dinner, we tell people to get in the shower and get ready for bed, and then we exhaustedly pray with one another right before bed, maybe. And our typical experience as families in this culture is not sit and be with your family. It's go chase stuff, go chase stuff, go chase stuff. And then at the end of the day, exhaustedly hurry everybody off to bed. And you can, ex- you can spend time with your kids. I'm not saying it's terrible to, to chase it. Listen, we play basketball and soccer and we're on all kinds of after school stuff. We chase stuff, right? But we also make a priority to spend time with our family at home engaged with one another. And we try to make even those times where we're chasing stuff, how do we make it a priority to make sure that those things don't become the main objective of what we're doing? But how do we also see that as a ministry opportunity? So one of the reasons that I love to coach my kids' teams, and I want them to be engaged in stuff in our city, rec rec, rec league soccer and basketball and all those things, is because that's a great opportunity for me to get outside of the walls of our church and for our family to see that as a way to minister to people in our community. It's a way for me to build relationships with people who don't go to church somewhere, to get to know their kids and their family and build into that. So those things can be influential and can be practical, but it can't be the top priority of your life. If the top priority of your life is get good enough so you get the scholarship, get good enough so you're recognized, you get your name in the paper, go chase things, get better, get better, get better. If that's your main priority, you're going to miss some things along the way that Jesus has for us. And so when you think about this, the passage of Scripture that we just looked at, I think we should go and do things with our kids. The, Moses even says, when you walk along the road. For us, that's kind of the idea of when you're driving in your car, when you're on your way to events, when you're doing stuff with your kids, your family. When you walk along the road, invest. But if you noticed in the Shema, the things that he, he wrote out, three-fourths of them were meant to be done at home. And so he says, when you sit at home. That's one. When you walk along the road, that's outside. When you lie down, typically done at home, you sleep at home. And when you wake up, when you rise up. Three-fourths of the things that were told us to do in the Shema, to raise up and guide kids towards spiritual maturity, take place in your home. So I want to encourage you to value and work towards setting a, a, a rhythm of your life that's built around your home environment. Not to isolate yourself from the world, but to take advantage of those times. And so this morning, I want to give you one last blank uh, outline, fill in the blanks, and then I'm going to talk some practical things to you. Here's the next thing on your outline. The way you spend time at home creates natural rhythms for spiritual investment. The way that you spend time at home creates natural rhythms for spiritual investment. And so Moses is helping the people of Israel build that into the model of life. He says, when when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, make those times priority to impress these things of God on the lives of your children. And so um, I wanted today to model for you what we kind of do in our home. I invited my boys to come up on stage and kind of do with me 
one of the examples of what we do in our home. And, and both of my kids were like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, the people out there are scary and they might, you know, bite us or throw things at us. And so we're not going to get on stage with you, dad. And so, uh, so you don't get to kind of see it modeled today, but I'm going to talk through our rhythm and I'm going to talk through what we do. And one specifically that I wanted them to show us, I'm going to try to give you some, uh, some practical understanding of how you can do this at home. Um, it may not fit perfectly in your schedule and in your model and in your rhythm. And that's fine. I'm not asking you necessarily to mimic our rhythm and to do exactly what we do. I'm just saying these are how you can structure and pattern some things in your life to raise up and guide your children toward spiritual maturity. Okay, So here's what we do. When you sit at home, right? so mealtimes become very important for us. When we think about sitting at home as a family, we connect with one another at a meal and just ask each other how things are going. This, is, this doesn't have to be a deeply spiritual time. Most of the time, this is just a good opportunity for us to laugh together. When we sit at home, we have great conversations. We catch up with one another. How did your day go? How are things at school? How's work? You know, we, we just discuss and talk about those things. We pray over our meals together. And a lot of times when we pray, we'll ask, is there anything specific going on in your life that we can be praying for as we sit together at this meal tonight, right? So that's one way that we start to build some of these things in. When we are on the road doing some different things, it's sports night, it's, it's school, after school stuff, whatever. We have a lot of times that we eat out. We see eating out as a chance to connect with other people. But we'll also take those opportunities to say, when we go out, we want to make sure we make that a spiritual invested time as well. That it's not just fun going out to wherever to eat. Uh, a lot of times, especially if we go to a sit-down restaurant, when our server comes to serve us, we'll ask him or her, is there anything specifically, we're about to say a blessing for our meal, is there anything specifically that we can pray for you about? You wouldn't believe how many times that question catches people off guard. Whoa, nobody's ever asked me that before. I don't even know what to tell you to pray, you know, or they'll go, yeah, everything. Just pray about everything. My entire life. Pray about it all. Great. We can do that. All right. And then it's funny because a lot of times they'll come back to the table later and go, hey, I was thinking about it. Uh, I have a sister that's sick right now. Can you pray for her? Or, or my niece is going through something really difficult. Can you pray for her? You know, and, and so uh, it's incredible to see how that happens. And then here's an amazing thing as we sit and do that with our kids. Guess what they start to see and think? You know what? When we, when we talk to other people, we can bring faith into our conversations. We can ask people, how can I pray for you? And then we do that. We follow up with them. It gives us great opportunities to have conversations with our kids about things because you never know what somebody's going to say when you ask them if you can pray for them. And there's been times that they've said something and we've been like, oh, yeah. And then when they leave, we're like, okay, boys, we need to talk about <laughs> what she just asked us to pray for because maybe this is a new reality to you. Or maybe this is something you haven't heard before. Or maybe there's something going on that you don't understand. And so it's given us chances to have spiritual conversations around the needs of other people. Right? And so maybe that's a way that you can just kind of think about when you sit at home, around meals, around the table, doing a puzzle, whatever. How do you just use those times to bring out spiritual conversation? All right? And then he says, when you walk along the road, uh, my favorite time of the day is, uh, is taking the kids to school in the morning. I love it, not just because it means they're going to be gone for the next eight hours, um, but I love this day, this part of the day, because it's the most natural time that I build into my kids spiritually. And so what we do in the mornings, we get into the car, and I hand one of the boys, now we're in middle school and in elementary school, so I'm, I don't have both the boys with me, but it's one at a time or just one per day. But uh, we grab the phone. I have the YouVersion Bible app. On the front page of the app, every day there's a verse of the day. We get in my truck, I hand the phone to one of my kids, and I say, hey, will you read the verse of the day? So if I did that today, it would have been this, Matthew seven twelve. 
So in everything, do to others what you would have them do for you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. One verse, one of my kids will read it, and then I'll say, okay, hey, thanks. Can, can you pray for us now? When we first started doing this a couple years ago, I was modeling this. So they would read the verse, I would pray, and most often what I would do is say, God, thank you so much for this, for this verse, for your Bible. We're so thankful for how you speak to us in this. Give us wisdom to understand this passage and help us to know how to live it out in our lives. And I prayed that same type of prayer over and over and over again in the mornings. Well, now guess what happens when I ask my kids to pray? Hey, read this verse. Great, thanks for reading that. Will you pray for us? Guess what I hear coming out of their mouths most often? God, would you give us wisdom to understand this verse today? And to know how to apply it to our lives so we can live out what you say. And to hear your kids start saying those things. And I don't think it's just repetition. Like, they're not just going, well, Dad said I had to pray this. They just do that. They pray it on their own that way. They pray for our day as we go to school. Then I say, okay, great. Thank you so much for praying for that. Now let me ask you some questions. Read the verse again. They'll read it again. Then I go, that's great. Here's what I want you to know. Do you have anything in that verse? Or first question I usually ask is, how would you put that verse in your own words? Then they'll sit there and talk for a second. They'll go, oh, you know what? I mean, it's, it says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So I guess I need to be nice. If I want people to be nice to me, I need to be nice to other people. That's what I need to do. Yeah, it's great. It's a great just self-taking of that verse and putting it in your own words. That's awesome. Hey, is there anything you see about God in that verse? I go, well, I guess because God loves us, he wants us to love other people. So the love of God that gets in our lives should be shown to other people. That's part of God. This is an expression of love. Yeah, it's fantastic. What do you see about us in that verse? And then we might talk and go, well, we have the tendency to be selfish and to want to do for ourselves, but God tells us we should do for others what we would want them to do for us. You know, so we start having this conversation. Man, that's so good that, that you brought that out, right? That you saw that. Or I might guide them toward that if they're having a hard time with it. And then the last question that I usually try to ask is, is there any way... You can live this out today in your life as you go to school. How would you put that into practical application today at school? Well, man, I guess, you know, if I want people to say nice things to me, I should say nice things to other people. Or if I dropped my stuff, I would want somebody to come over and help me pick it up. So if I see something happen today, or, or if I want people to do something kind, then I need to model what I want them to do for me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you just talk through these things practically. And then what we do is we close up when we're pulling into school. And by the way, this takes, from my house to our elementary school is about four minutes. So this is not a long conversation. It's four to five minutes in the car. When we finish up that talk and we're pulling into the carpool line, I put my hand behind me as I'm driving and I say, let me pray for you. I hold hands with my kids and I pray the verse over them. God, help us today to do these things, to take what you've showed us, take what you've taught us, and to put them into practice in our life. I pray a specific prayer for my kids. Help them to do this in their school today. And then it's, I love you, I hope you have a great day, and you're out the door, right? Now, that's when you're walking along the road. When you lie down, we come back to this conversation at night. At nighttime, we get... Shower time's done, we jump in bed, it's prayer time. A lot of times when we jump into bed at night, we'll say, hey, do you remember the verse that we read this morning? And we'll see if they can recall it. Oh, man, I hadn't thought about that in a while. Uh, wasn't it something about, you know, and we have that conversation about, yeah, that's right, you did it, or no, nah, close, but let me give you this. And we'll pull it back up and we'll go, was there anything that you did today that helped you live out what we talked about this morning? And sometimes they'll go, oh, yeah, I had this opportunity today and it really helped me because I thought about that and then I did it at school. Other times they're like, nah, I didn't really do anything with that today. <laughs> 
Like, that's fine, man. That's cool. Let's just keep praying for God to give us opportunities. But we'll come back around to this when we lie down at night. Then we pray over them. And when I pray for my kids at night, it's specific prayers. And I try to do the general stuff. Is there anything in your life I can be praying for? But then when we finish that, we start praying specifics for them. So God, help my son to become a man who's going to follow after you, who loves you with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his strength. Give him favor in the eyes of his teachers, in the eyes of his, his peers. God, I just pray that he'll walk with you in integrity. Like we pray specific prayers for where our kids are. And then most of our prayers, from the time, even before my kids were born, we started praying for our kids this way. Most of my prayers at night end by saying something along the lines of, God, give my kids, give my sons a love for you, a love for your word, and a love for your people. Those are the three things that I want more than anything for them in life. God, would you give them a love for you that'll never fade? Regardless of what happens in their life, let them love you and follow you. Will you give them a love for your word that over time, it's not because dad brings it up in the mornings and does it with them. It's not because mom helps them during you know, the drive to school. But over time, it's just because they want to be in your word for themselves. Give them a love for that. And then would you give them a love for your people? I want them to love the church well. I want them to love coming to church. I want this to be a place for them to go. This is where relationships happen. This is where character is built. This is where faith is lived out. I want them to love it. And so we pray for those things for our kids. And so then the last one is when you get up. And I'm going to be honest with you. This is where we struggle the most. Anybody have a hard time getting up in the morning? Anybody got elementary and middle school kids that are hard to get up in the mornings? Yeah. So basically, this is where we just go, hey, you guys need to get up. Go get your breakfast stuff done. I got to jump in the shower. We got to get ready. Everybody's packing lunch boxes and stuff like that. And then we're just out the door. Uh, there's, there's not a lot going on in the mornings in our house where we're spiritually investing in our kids. But it is that time where we jump in the truck right after and go, okay, now let's pull up the app. Let's pull up the verse of the day. Let's start to talk about faith. Let's build that in as the rhythm of our life. Uh, if there was one thing I would love to be doing and wish I could stand here and tell you I do consistently, I wish when I woke my kids up in the morning, I need to do this. You guys can encourage me, uh, challenge me, uh, that when I woke them up, I didn't just go, hey, get up, man. It's time to go get breakfast. I love you, but you need to get going. Uh, I need to walk into my kid's room and pray over them first thing in the morning. Like that needs to be the first thing that they hear out of dad's mouth is prayers over them. And, uh, and I can improve in that area. And so you can hold me accountable to that. All right. All right. So how does this apply to you? Think about your schedule. That's our schedule. That's our rhythms. Those are how we've built some things into the pattern of our life. When you think about your home, your rhythms, your schedule, what do you need to do? How can you encourage your kids, your nieces and nephews, your grandchildren, whatever it is. How do you help build some patterns and rhythms into your life to take advantage of the rhythms that God has created and he mentions in Deuteronomy? When you walk along the road, when you sit at home, when you lie down, when you get up, how do you take advantage of those natural rhythms to do some things to invest spiritually in your kids' lives? As a spiritual parent, the spiritual well-being of your child is your highest priority. It's the highest priority in your life. Under following God and loving your spouse, being a spiritual champion, raising up your kids to follow Christ is your highest priority. And so as you think about these things, I want you to know that in our church, last week I told you that one of our highest priorities as a faith family and as elder team and staff team is that we want to help families know how to continually invest in their kids' lives. 
And so in the way that we wanted to do that was we had decided uh, that it's time for us to take a next step with our children's ministry, move into a full-time position for that, and hire someone to come in and help us lead our children's ministry. To invest in the lives of parents, to invest in the lives of kids when the kids are here on our campus, that we want to have great things going on for them, continuing to do great things. We've had consistent great ministries going on back there, but we want to take even greater steps toward helping disciple kids toward spiritual maturity on our campus, but in your homes. And so so the way that we've chosen to do that is by hiring a full-time person into that. I introduced you by picture last week. Today, I get the privilege of introducing you in person. So if you guys will, would you please help me welcome Ashley Maston to the stage? <laughs> Ashley is our new children's director. Hey, so good to have you. Thank you. Come grab a seat. We're going to talk for just a minute. Yours is really low. That's all right. My, I'm, I'm short. There you go. I'm going to put mine <laughs> down here. So, uh, so we just wanted people here in our church to get to know you a little bit. And uh, we're so thankful that you're here. Thank you. It's been a long process of, uh, of having uh, an interim ministry in a different time. Rachel has done a phenomenal job with our kids during that interim time. Our volunteers have, have invested and poured in. But we're so thankful now to have a chance to bring Ashley onto our staff in a full-time level and to be here with us and to invest in that. And so why don't you just tell the church a little bit about you. Give us some background, who you are, where you're from, what you enjoy who your favorite Avenger is, like whatever. Um, help us kind of know a little bit about, about who you are. All right. Well, favorite Avengers, Iron Man. There's no one better. Um, he is just full of bravery and courage, and he's loyal, so I just I like him. I like him a lot. Um, but I just moved here from Florida not even a week ago, which is still crazy in my mind that I lived in Florida last Sunday. Um, and it was 85 degrees. And it there. was 80. Yes, it was lovely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... My whole family is there, and I enjoy golfing, which Florida was great for that. And I am slightly obsessed with my niece. So if you get to know me, you will see pictures of her and hear about her way more than you want. Um, she turns one this week, so she's just been super fun this last year to watch her grow and learn. And she might be my only one. I'm encouraging them to have another one, but we'll see. And uh, I enjoy, I'm kind of introverted. I come across extroverted, but I really am introverted. So I enjoy puzzles. Uh, I enjoy reading books and just kind of, oh, I love to bake. Oh, I love to bake. That's like a great outlet for me to do that. And I always feel like I'm finally home someplace when I bake my first batch of special recipe cookies. You can bring me special recipe cookies anytime you want to. It sounds awesome. You hired the right person. So, and your your niece turning one this this coming weekend. You're actually going to be going back to Florida for the birthday party, which is super cool. Yes. So you won't be here next Sunday, but on the 23rd, um, two weeks from now, uh, we're going to have a special welcome time for Ashley. We'll have a celebration party thing for her, and uh, so you guys will get some more details about that coming up. But um, yeah, I'm glad you're going to get to go home and be part of that special day for Me the too. one year old birthday party. So good. Hey, give us a quick snapshot of kind of what your hopes and dreams are, maybe for for parents, for kids in our ministry, what we do uh, in that realm? All right. Um, obviously, I love children, and I love them for a variety of reasons, but one of the things that I've just found that is so contagious is just their energy and zest for life, and my hope is to teach them the gospel and who Jesus is and how to follow him, but then also to how to share him with others. And so it's just been a conviction of mine to consistently share the gospel with the kids 
And I love it because they go out and share it. They have no insecurity about sharing their faith. They, they don't, well, they know strangers, but they don't know a stranger at school. And they'll just talk about what they've learned and heard. And that excites me and revs me up. And um, so that's, that's one big thing. I want to help equip them to be able to share their faith with others. And same with parents. I really want you guys to learn how to uh, invest spiritually with your children, encourage them to share their faith, and learn how to share your faith with them and model that. And so that's just a big dream and hope of mine. That's awesome. Fantastic. So uh, last question to ask you here. When you moved here, you have a friend that moved here with you, Lindsay. So that's cool to have a built-in relationship that's a friend coming in. You guys have known each other since like high school. Yeah, Yeah, so a long, long time. And uh, she's been able to move here with you, which is really super cool. Uh, Tell us a little bit about as you transition to the area, how can we be praying for you? How can we be praying for Lindsay? We want to get to know both of you uh, well, but how how can we just be as a church praying for you during this transition time? And, and praying that it stops raining, we can't do that. So don't ask for that. That's <laughs> no outside snow and of no our, rain. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so Lindsay, her, her major prayer request right now is she needs to find employment. And, um, but for bigger picture, you know, we just want to get acclimated here. We, we want to have a family here and, and make friends here and really just enjoy our time and give God the glory and all that we're saying and doing as we live here. Awesome. Well, we are so thankful that you uh, you are here with us. Can't wait to get to, to let people get to know you more and figure out how we can love and serve with you and serve you. Uh, and so, uh, so we're thankful for all of that. Here's what I would love to do as she's getting started with her ministry here. I want to ask some of our staff and elders who are in the room uh, to just come up on stage with me. We're going to pray over Lindsay and the start of her ministry. Ashley. And uh, Oh, Ashley. Lindsay's the friend. Um, sorry. I'm still getting to know you guys as well. So uh, this is Ashley. We hired her. Um, And so we want to just come and pray over Ashley. So any of my staff or elders that are in the room, Cole and Joey and Nelson, come on up. We're just going to pray over her. And then we're going to close our service more today with praying some specific things over families. So let's just pray over Ashley. Father God, we just want to lift Ashley up before you. Thank you, Lord, for her um, coming here, for for sensing the call of your spirit to join our staff team, to be a part of the work that you're doing at Grace Fellowship. And Father, we're just looking forward to seeing uh, her mature in her faith and continue to grow in her ministry. Father, we're thankful for the things that you've done in her life in the past, that the experiences that she's had, the way that she's been able to lead in the church and, and to see kids discipled and grow. God, we know that discipleship is a, a part of her heartbeat for you. And, and so we just ask and pray, Lord, that she'll establish relationships quickly. We pray, Father, that she will have a sense of that family here in the church that she was asking for just a minute ago. And Father, that... Um, that you would develop relationships within small groups and volunteer teams and ministries, God, that, uh, that she just will be able to, uh, to quickly have a foundation uh, under her relationally that she can, can build and grow on. Uh, Father, I pray for wisdom for her as she's helping our children's ministry take next steps and, and the things that we want to do. I pray for our church. God, that there will be new things that we experience and that there will be things that are, uh, are done differently under her leadership. I just pray that you'll help us to, uh, to really embrace those things and, and encourage her in the work that you've called her to here. And Father, that we would be able to uh, serve you well in this community as we continue to reach families and children and impact their lives. And so, Lord, we just pray that you establish the work 
of Ashley's hands. We pray for Lindsay and the employment that she needs. Thankful for some interviews she had this week, but I pray, God, that you just provide for her that job that she will need to help her take a next step in getting settled here as well. Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much for helping us through this, uh, these past months, um, the time that Rachel has invested as our interim, the time that Matt has given and served over the many years to build a great foundation of ministry here for the volunteer teams who love and serve here so well in our children's ministries. Lord, we just pray and ask that your favor will be shown as we continue to grow and mature in those ways. We love you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.